on behalf of my cast, my entire staff, want to take this opportunity to wish each and every one of you a happy and joyous holiday season. The staff and management of the Jack Benny and Judy Garland and Friends podcast wish everyone a very happy holiday season. Hey everyone, it's that time again. It's Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. I'm not sure when we're going to broadcast this, but I thought I'd wish everyone who's listening within the sound of my voice, Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a great New Year as well. And that goes for everyone here at Podomatic, including Buck Benny, Mindy, and Stacy. Happy holiday. <laughs> I can't say it enough. We wish you a great Christmas. So, here I am uh, helping Buck out here on Christmas Day, and Vilco Radio Time, I think, is probably an an outstanding show, and this one in particular, specifically because of a little play within this program uh, called The Small One, about a tired old donkey who the little boy owns the donkey, has so much faith in, when apparently no one else does. And and I think it's very touching. There's a lot of things that... uh, a lot of stories that have been done about Christmas, about Joseph and Mary trying to find place to stay, about the three wise men, how they got together and made their way by following a star. And this story about a donkey, I think, is very creative, and I really like it. This is the second time within the Philco Radio Time show that they've aired this program, this play, and I really like it, and I hope you enjoy it, too. And then we go to Jimmy Dur- and on Jimmy Durante's show is Margaret O'Brien. And I don't know if I, it was in a book that Margaret O'Brien wrote or an interview with, Mar- with Margaret O'Brien that she discussed her reaction to Jimmy Durante. She realized quickly that Jimmy Durante had an ego, but as far as Margaret O'Brien was concerned, she really liked Jimmy Durante. He really treated her very well and didn't talk down to her, treated her like a professional as she was, and she said he was very grandfatherly towards her. And then we moved to something which at the time was kind of an enigma on the Kraft Music Hall with Al Jolson and that is Boris Karloff, who was always known for heavy dramatic roles and things involving the supernatural and the bizarre. But it's really kind of a weird thing if you go back to the exact time frame when this goes on to have Boris Karloff on a Christmas show. And I guess the writers had some kind of idea that if Boris Karloff played this straight, it would be Funny. And yet, if you look down the road, 19 years later, Boris Karloff would be permanently attached to the role he would do 19 years later in the cartoon The Grinch Stole Christmas in the minds of the public because he narrated it and he also played the part of the Grinch. And I think in that role of the Grinch that stole Christmas, Boris Karloff really relished that role a great deal. And even now, people still associate Boris Karloff with the Grinch stole Christmas, despite the fact that Jim Carrey made the movie of the Grinch stole Christmas. And the cartoon of The Grinch Stole Christmas has been digitally remastered, and you can get a perfect copy of that show. And I saw it just the other night, and it looks and sounds great. So enjoy all of these, and Merry Christmas to you all, and Happy Holidays to everyone, from all of us here at Podomatic. And I hope you have a great New Year, too.
Enjoy. When the blue of the night meets the gold of the day, someone waits for me. Ken Carpenter welcoming you to Philco Radio Time, produced and transcribed in Hollywood with John Scott Trotter, his chorus and orchestra, the Charioteers, Skitch Henderson, and starring Bing Crosby. As is Bing's custom at Christmas time, he opens the program with Adesti Fidelis, and as usual, he will sing it first in Latin. And then with the studio audience joining him, singing it in English. Yes, Ken, I, I think it would be very fitting if our guests here would join in a chorus. Come all ye faithful. Bing, I think it'd be nice if the home folks, the folks listening in all over the world, would join in too. Oh, it would indeed. Gather round, folks, wherever you may be, and help us sing this eternal hymn. Adeste Fidelis Lady Triumphantes Venite, Venite In Bethlehem Natum Videte Regem Angelorum Venite Adoremus Venite Adoremus Venite Adoremus Domino And now everybody in the family key Thank you very much. Sketch Henderson has jetted in for the holidays, and he now joins me in Mel Torme and Bob Wells' musical Christmas card, The Christmas Song. Art ready, Lyle?
chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe. Help to make this season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow. We'll find it hard to sleep tonight. They know that Santa is on his way. He's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer Really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways Merry Christmas Christmas program without jingle bells would be like Christmas without mistletoe or something. We're prepared. We're not going to disappoint you because John Scott Trotter has assembled a bouncy version of this perennial favorite. Looking at my libretto here, I see there are parts for the charioteers, the vocal groups, Kitch, and oh, yes, Crosby catches a cadenza or two. Matter of fact, I open the affair vocally. Roll them, John. Jingle, 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 jingle,
jingle, jingle, jingle, jingle, jingle, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh, dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way. Bells on bobtails ring, making spirits bright. What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. just fractured the vocal group and the charioteurs threw in 8,482 jingles and never dropped a jing. <laughs> kind of vocal work will give you a lower plate wobble, I guess. And now, here's the Philco man with a sprig or two of vocal holly. Hmm? And a hunk of mistletoe to you, Bing, from your ever-loving sponsor. Say, the goose really hangs high here tonight. Mm-hmm. What's your Christmas Eve message for 1947, kid? Just the season's greetings to our friends everywhere on behalf of Philco, its distributors and dealers. Wonderful. Let's parlay that with a happy new year for 1948. Yes, from all of us on Philco Radio Time, sincere good wishes for the Yuletide in the coming year. My, my, we're certainly full of greetings tonight, aren't we? Nothing to sell? Not a thing. Isn't this sensational? Ah, oh, the halcyon days are here in radio, aren't they? Jolly Noel from us all. I guess White Christmas could stand one last delivery before the season ends. Of a white Christmas Just like the ones I used to know Where the treetops glisten And children listen To hear 
present Charles Taswell's Christmas play, The Small One, a story for those who like Christmas and small donkeys. The same winter sun that dances on the winter snows up north sprawls indolently at ease in the thick white dust of El Camino del Norte, Old Mexico. A passerby, weary from the heat, has paused to rest in the cool, dripping shade of a pepper tree and has dropped off to sleep. He's suddenly awakened by the shrill voice of Pablo, aged 10, who stands with bare brown legs wide apart in the center of the road and bitterly addresses a small, discouraged, disreputable donkey. A donkey? A donkey you call yourself a stupid old fine animal with four stout legs, one on each corner, a most splendid tail to shoe off the flies, and a most handsome head stuck in the front to point the way you're going. I see. And what use do you make of this excellent equipment the good God has given you? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Or a disgrace to all the donkeys of Mexico, of all the world, of all... Pablo. See? Oh, buenos dias. I did not know that... What's all the commotion here, young man? What, what has the poor beast done that you should be so angry? But nothing. Well, then why are you... Then that is all he wants to do, ever. Here it is, but two days until Christmas, when a load of wood could be sold in the village to buy gifts and a candle. But does that matter to this one? No, he cares for nothing but nothing. <laughs> well, a donkey's a donkey, Pablo. They're all the same. But why? Why of all beasts should a donkey be so, so stubborn? Stubborn? Oh, no, Pablo, that's wrong. But he's always... I know, I know, everyone says they are. They curse them and they belabor their backs with sticks and they call them stupid, but... That's because they don't know the truth about little donkeys. The truth? Yes. It's really not stubbornness, but pride that makes small donkeys so, well, so aloof. No wind, sun, rain, pain, or adversity can touch them. You see, their pride is a shield against all the discomforts man or the elements can offer. But what has a donkey to be proud of? Oh, a great deal, Pablo. Bring your small beast over here in the shade, and I'll explain. Come along, Cupido. Listen. Listen, Pablo, do you hear that? Only a small donkey can make that sound with his hoofs as he walks on the stones of the road. No other beast can do it. Sit down. Sit down, my son. Si, senor. Now, as I was saying, people are all wrong about small donkeys. A very long time ago, 
A great honor came to one of them, an honor so great that it lifted him and all his descendants to an exalted place. A place that you or I or, or all the world might envy. Ever since that time, every small donkey has been content to stand and drowse in the sun or the shade. For he alone of all animals, of all men, has already fulfilled his destiny. His destiny, yes, senor? Yes, You see, once upon a time, there was a small donkey. He was 14 unhappy years old, and he had worked hard and long for at least twice 14 masters. He was battered and scarred, and he presented a most distressful appearance. His tail was not but a piece of limp rope unraveled down at the end. One of his ears stood straight up like a cactus plant, while the other hung drooping like a wilted cabbage leaf. His off hind leg had a decided stiffness. What was his name? They called him the small one. His latest master was a woodcutter who also owned four younger and therefore stronger donkeys, but small one was the special charge of the woodcutter's son. It was the boy who saw to it that small one always had dry straw for his bed and that the load of wood to be carried to the town was not too heavy for small one's aging back. But one day the woodcutter called his son to him. He said, Son? Yes, father? I have a task for you to do in the town, son. A load of wood? No. I wish you to take this donkey, the one you call the small one, to a shop just inside the town gates. I have already spoken to the owner. He will give you a piece of silver in exchange for the beast. You mean... Oh, you don't mean you're going to sell small one. He can no longer do his share of the work. Even when carrying half the load the other donkeys carry, his worn-out legs tremble and his sides work like a bellows. But he'll be strong as the others soon. Well, you wait and see. Give him a few weeks and Enough. He'll... An old donkey is of little use. One day he might drop dead on us up in the hills, a total loss. Better to take a piece of silver and say good riddance to the beast. You will start at once. You hear? Yes. Yes, Father. The shop you will take him to is the second one on the left as you pass through the gates in town. The second? But that's the tanners. And what of that? The small one's hide is old, but it will make good leather. But he's been faithful. He's worked hard. He's done his best. And you can't sell him to the tanners to be killed. Come now. I'll have no tears. No crying over a miserable donkey. Hurry, be off with you. And take good care not to lose that piece of silver on the way home. And so, Pablo, the small boy and the small donkey began their sorrowful journey into town. The boy was heartbroken. He cried for a while. And then he tried desperately to think of some way to save his friend. The sound of the small one's hoofs on the road seemed to say over and over again, going to the tanners, going to the tanners. Suddenly it came to the boy's mind that there was a horse market in the town. If he could sell the small one to some new and kind master, the little donkey would still live, and yet the father would also have his piece of silver. Well, it was early afternoon when the boy and the small one passed through the town gates and down the narrow, twisted streets to the marketplace. And what about this fine animal, my friends? A mare whose sire was so famous that none but princes ever sat his back. Strong of limbs, strong of wind. Who'll start the bid at 50? 50! 50 it is! Who'll make it 51? Come, come, my friends. Are you going to let such an animal go for so paltry a sum? Uh, please, sir, would you like to buy a fine donkey? What? What'd you say, boy? This small donkey, he's for sale. Uh, strong and willing, the price is very cheap, but one piece No, of I don't want to buy a donkey. Be off with you. Sixty! 
Sixty is the bid. That's more like it. Do I hear sixty-two? Will someone say sixty-two? Come, come, my friend. You'll never again get such a fine horse for so little cash. Look at the proud head. See the flowing mane. Excuse me, please. This small donkey's for sale. Would you what like? What is to... it you want, boy? This fine animal. He can be bought for only one piece of silver. Isn't that a great saving? They're bidding sixty for the horse, and I know he can't do half the work a small one. Look, he's very. Go deadly. away! Don't bother me. Oh, but he's. Go such... away! Or I'll take a stick to both your backs. And now, my friend, I'm. Now, who has the next animal for sale? Step up! Please, sir, would you try to sell this small donkey? Go away, boy. Oh, but he's a very valuable animal. He's not nearly as old as he looks. It's just because he's worked so hard. And the the one that doesn't stand up straight as a donkey should, well, that was a fault of a careless master, not his own. He eats very little, and he's terribly strong. This is a horse market, boy. We've no time to waste on donkeys. But a small donkey would take such a small time. <laughs> all right, all right, my boy, if you insist. My friend! My friend, a great bargain I have to offer you. The proud owner terms it a donkey, but it appears to me to be an animated pile of shaking bones. He is not. You can see how the moths have been at the hive. And the tail, is it a tail? Or is it the stub of a broom worn out from sweeping the courtyard? <laughs> A true museum piece, my friends. Moldy with age and loose in the joints. <laughs> He's not. He is not. Ah, but it is not seemly to laugh, my friends, because the owner assures me that this animal is fine enough to share a stall with the king's horses. <laughs> Stop. You shan't make fun of him. Maybe... Maybe he's not as handsome as your animals, but he's better. He's a lot better. Small one deserves to be in a king's stable. All right, all right, boy. Take your donkey and move along. We've got business to attend to. Hurry up. Off with you. Now that we've had our fun and disposed of the king's donkey, my friends, I want to call your attention to these two fine Arabs. And so the boy and the little beast left the marketplace, Pablo. The hours were slipping swiftly by. And the boy knew he must start soon for home. And that he must have the piece of silver to give to his father. He tried stopping people on the street. He inquired from door to door, but no one wanted to buy a small, tired donkey. The sun was sinking fast when he came at last back to the town gates, and he stood before the tanner's door. The boy's face was tear-streaked, and the small one's head drooped so low that his limp ear almost touched the ground. The boy said goodbye to his small friend, and he asked forgiveness for what he had to do, and there was understanding in the little donkey's eyes. And then, just as the boy was lifting the latch of the tanner's door, a voice spoke to him. My son? Yes? Yes, sir? I have a great favor to ask. Are you the owner of that small donkey? Oh, oh yes, sir. I have a long journey to make. My wife is not well. I have great need of a strong, gentle animal to carry her safely. Oh, small one's very strong and very trustworthy. Yes, I can see. Would you sell him to me? Yes. Oh, yes, sir. But for one piece of silver. One piece of silver? Is that too much, sir? Too much? Oh, no. A very reasonable price for such a beautiful animal. 
He's not very beautiful, but but he's good. Yes, yes, I can see that. I'll be kind to him. I promise you that. Well, then he'll work so hard to please you. Here's your piece of silver. Come, small one. Do you mind... Do you mind if I come as far as the town gates? You see, the small one and not I... Not at all, not at all. You'll want to say goodbye to him, of course. You can do that while I see my wife safely on his back. Here we are. Easy, small one. Goodbye, small one. You must be very faithful, and it isn't forever, you know. When I grow up and earn many pieces of silver, I'll buy you back. And you'll have a fine stable and, and nothing to do at all but sleep and eat. Won't that be nice, small one? All right, my son. We're ready to go. Wait, traveler. Yes, soldier? I must make out the record before you can pass through the town gates. Who are you? My name is Joseph. And your wife? They call her Mary. Your destination? Bethlehem. Pass? Come, small one. Goodbye, son. Goodbye. Goodbye, small one. Be gentle and sure of foot. And carry her safe to Bethlehem. So Pablo, the small one, traveled the many weary miles to Bethlehem. There in a stable which became a king's stable, he saw a king born. A king of men, of centuries of life, of death. Yes, the small one's tired old eyes saw the shepherds and the wise men who came to pay homage to his small master. And he heard the voices of angels rejoicing, singing. Singing the very same notes his hoofs had rung out on the stones of the road. And then it came to pass that all those who had laughed at his ragged coat, his limping gait and his drooping ear, they all envied the small one. For he was part of a great miracle. It was a long, long time ago, Pablo, my son. But today all small donkeys stand and they dream, especially at Christmas time. They dream of the small one, the small one of Bethlehem. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin, mother and child.
Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. This program is produced and transcribed in Hollywood. health to all from Rexall. From Hollywood, the Jimmy Durante Show. Ink, a dink a dee, a dink a doo, a dink a dee. Oh, what a doo! Yes, 10,000 Rexall drugstores who carry the complete line of top-quality Rexall drug products bring you the Jimmy Durante Show with Peggy Lee, Arthur Treacher, Candy Candido, Roy Barley and his orchestra, our Rexall sportscaster Tommy Harmon, yours truly Howard Petrie, and our special guest tonight, MGM's great little star, Margaret O'Brien. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jimmy Durante in person. Down off each day with a song Santa Claus, what's in that bag? Even when things go wrong Santa, what's in that bag? You feel better, you even look better Come on, Santa Claus, please tell me What's in that bag? Please, Sonny, I've been telling you all day This ain't no bag, it's my schnoz <laughs> Oh, Merry, Merry Christmas, Jimmy A Merry Christmas to you too, Mr. Petrie Too bad your name ain't Michael then I could wish you a merry Michael Miss. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, Jim, you sure have your troubles at Christmas time, don't you? I'll bet with all your political connections, it was sure tough selecting Christmas gifts for them. On the contrary, Howard, yes. And my toughest job was picking. That's what it says on the paper. <laughs> don't get so smart, Christmas Eve. Yeah. And my toughest job was picking out a present for Henry Wallace. You see, two years ago, I gave a big Christmas party for Henry, and last year, I gave him a second party. 
So this year, I'm going to get him a date with Jane Russell. A date with Jane Russell? Isn't that a strange gift for Henry Wallace? Don't be silly. Can you think of a better third party? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Durante, if you weren't so pretty, you'd make a good comedian. (laughs) (laughs) Say, Jimmy, suppose Wallace does organize a third party. Does it affect you and your campaign for the vice presidency? Not in the slightest, Howard. Not in the slightest. I'm a candidate on four other tickets. The Democrats, the Socialists, the Republicans, and the Labor Party. You're a candidate on four different tickets? Certainly. Why be half safe? (laughs) Well, now, Jimmy, listen. If you want to ensure your election, you'll have to give the people a plan to help the food conservation program. I've been working on the food problem, Howard, and I want to report... I've been 82! I've been 84! I'll make it 86! I'll make it 90! How do you like that? A guy walked in with a box of Wheaties and two grain speculators start bidding for it. (laughs) Well, that's the conditions that prevail. But as I was saying, I've been working on the food problem, Howard. Last week, I dug a hole in the backyard and planted some shrimp cocktail that was left over for dinner. Then I dug another hole and planted some leftover pea soup. And then I dug another hole and planted some leftover lamb chops. I watered it faithfully every day. And this morning, you know what came up? What? A gopher with a note that said, What's the matter, no dessert? (laughs) But how... Food production can only be increased if we improve our national irrigation system. Why, Jimmy, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a man here to see you from the United States Department of Rivers and Waterways. Well, what are we waiting for? Open a faucet and let him in. Yeah. <laughs> well, here he is, Jimmy, Mr. Ripple, the Commissioner of Rivers and Waterways. Well, how do you do? <laughs> nice to meet you, Mr. Ripple. Glad you dripped in. <laughs> Now, tell me, sir, what seems to be your problem? Well, the United States needs more water. (laughs) Well, why don't you make a tour around the country? You're giving off a fine spray. (laughs) Well, I did make a tour. I started by diving in at the mouth of the Columbia River and swimming upstream to the headwaters. And what happened? Three salmon proposed to me. (laughs) Them salmon will do anything to get away from Del Monte. Never mind the salmon, Mr. Ripple. When you're underwater, did you, uh, or do you ever see any pretty mermaids? <laughs> Confidentially, uh, how do you like them? <laughs> well, as a candidate for the vice presidency, naturally I'm interested in improving the Columbia River. Tell me, what can I do about it? Well, after swimming in it for three days, I've only got one thing to report. What? I'm forever blowing, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm glad he left. I was going down for the third time. <laughs> hey, just a minute here, Jimmy. I just noticed. What's that string tied around your finger? I'm glad you noticed, Howard. That string means there's somebody I forgot to get a present for. Gosh, Jimmy, was it President Truman? No. General Marshall? No. Princess Elizabeth? No, but you're getting warm. It's Umbriago. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Umbriago. How I love him. When I see a Christmas turkey, I think of him. He's a winner. And at Christmas, I know he'll be late for dinner. 
He won't starve by heck. He'll never leave a speck. He'll eat the turkey's neck. Don't stand near the mistletoe, or you'll be kissed by Mr. Umbriago. Let me hear it. Umbriago. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Umbriago. Happy New Year, Umbriago. How I, uh, how I love that Umbriago. You know, last Christmas I remembered him. I sent him a brand new automobile with the latest invention on it. With this, with this invention, if you're driving down the road and you see a lady driver coming towards you, you press a button, the car folds up and hides in the glove compartment. <laughs> Don't stand near the mistletoe Or you'll be kissed by Mr. Umbriago If you want to be sure that the product is pure When you ask for a drug preparation Buy the Rexall line at the Rexall sign Of Rexall identification did you know that more than 2,000 different drug products carry the name Rexall? That's a big family indeed, and a highly respected one, too. For in millions of American homes, the familiar name Rexall has come to mean the utmost in quality, purity, and reliability. So for any and for all of your drug needs, always buy Rexall. Have confidence in what that name means. Quality, purity, and reliability in drug products. Get them at Rexall drugstores throughout the nation, where 25% of America buys its drug needs. If you want to be sure that the product is pure when you ask for a drug preparation, buy the Rexall line at the Rexall sign of Rexall identification. Good health to all from Rexall. Well, folks, just like all over the world, it's Christmas Eve in the Durante household. Let's peek in on Durante and Treacher. I say, Mr. Durante, sir, may I wish you a Merry Christmas? Indeed you may, and a Merry Christmas to you too, Treacher. Thank Tell me, how did you like that sweater I gave you for Christmas? Don't spread this around, Treacher, but I knitted it myself. <laughs> oh, thank you, sir. It's a lovely sweater. It's quite she-she. No, it's hee-hee. I knit them different for women. <laughs> <laughs> I love that kind of carry-ons on. <laughs> now, tell me, where's Peggy Lee and the rest of the gang? They're all in the other rooms, sir, opening their gifts. How did you make out this Christmas, sir? Broke even, gave ties, and got handkerchiefs. <laughs> but look, I need your help. Margaret O'Brien will be here in a minute. Now, how can I get this ink stain out of my trousers? Oh, that's very simple, sir. Use this emery board. Just keep rubbing the emery ball over the stain, and when the trousers commence to get light in color... Yes? Stop rubbing. That's you. <laughs> Treacher, when you were a baby, did your nurse ever drop you on your head? Oh, we couldn't afford a nurse, so my mother had to do it. <laughs> now, about this tree, sir, are you going to trim it? Not after what happened last year. Let me tell you about it. Last Christmas, full of the spirit of Noel, I'm all set to trim the tree. Yes? So with the tinsel in my right pocket, the peppermint canes in my left pocket, the silver bells in one hand, the box of does that I'm using for snow in the other, and the popcorn ball dangling from my nose, I climbed up the ladder and I'm all set to trim the tree when I hear a strange noise in the kitchen. 
Descending from the ladder, I puts down the tinsel, the peppermint canes, the silver bells, the box of does I'm using for snow, and the popcorn ball dangling from my nose. I investigates, and what is it? My cat wants to get out. I'm ready for silent night, and she's ready for a fruit and a fighting and a fussing. <laughs> So I opens the door and off she goes to attend the big four meeting. <laughs> Once more with the tinsel in my right pocket, the peppermint canes in my left pocket, the silver bells in one hand, the box of dust that I'm using for snow in the other, and the popcorn ball dangling from my nose. I goes up the ladder. I'm just about to take a sniff of oxygen, which keeps my nose from collapsing at high altitudes. <laughs> and what happens? The telephone starts to ring. So I takes a step towards the phone. I should have come down off the ladder first. <laughs> Removing a sprig of hollyhock from my ear, I picks up the phone and the voice says, Hello, guess who? Gently ripping the wires out of the wall. Once more, I goes up the ladder with the tinsel, the peppermint canes, the silver bells, the box of does, and the popcorn ball dangling from my nose. And finally, after three hours, I got wires around my neck. Wires in my pocket and wires in my hair. So I plugs a wire into the wall socket, and what happens? The tree blows a fuse, but my nose lights up. <laughs> and you know something? It looked prettier than the tree. <laughs> Chicago 24, Milwaukee 57, Big Bear 36. Treacher, what are you doing? Well, I didn't have any lines here, sir, so I thought I'd give a weather report. <laughs> <laughs> a whimsical bit of material. An old coward must be on his payroll. Oh, you go on with the treat, Treacher. I'll answer the door. Well, Merry Christmas, Margaret. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. What a voice. Which Margaret is this? O'Brien or Truman? <laughs> Why, it's Margaret O'Brien. Merry Christmas, everybody. Gee, this is fun. Well, Margaret, you really got the Christmas spirit, haven't you? Oh, it's been wonderful, Jimmy. I've been out with a bunch of neighborhood kids singing Christmas carols. Yes? First we sang under Bob Hope's window, and he threw us a quarter. Then we sang under Red Skelton's window, and he threw us a quarter. Go on. Then all of us kids went over to Jack Benny's house. Did you sing for Mr. Benny? No, we split the money with him. He's head of our union. <laughs> well, come on in, Margaret. You're always welcome in my humble chapeau. Thank you, Jimmy. And here's the present I brought for you. Open it up. Why, Margaret, this was the best of kidding. You like it? Just what I wanted, a Mickey Mouse beauty kit. <laughs> I wanted to give it to you, Jimmy, because I think you're beautiful. Would you say that again? I think you're beautiful. There, I gotta have this show transcribed. A thing like that should go on record. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Hello there, Margaret. Hello, Miss Lee. See, Jimmy, Peggy's standing under the mistletoe. Why don't you turn out the lights and steal a kiss? Thanks for the tip, Margaret. Here goes the lights. Pucker up, Peggy. Mm -hmm. There you are, sweetheart. How do you feel getting a real Duranny kiss? I'm feeling mighty low. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Gotta blow it's Candy Candido This month's Woodsbury Bride <laughs> He's lovely, he's engaged He uses chicken fat <laughs> Now, come on, Margaret Quiet, I... Jimmy Oh, look, Margaret's falling asleep under the Christmas tree How do you like that? This yuletide is too much for her Let her take a little snooze Pleasant dreams, Margaret Ice and snow and reindeer. Why, this is Santa Claus's home at the North Pole. And there he stands with his reindeer. Tell me, are you really Santa Claus? That's right, little girl. I'm old Saint Nick. Gee, Santa Claus, how old are you anyway? Why, Margaret Santa Claus lived since the beginning of the world. I guess I'm over 2,000 years old. Gee. Even older than Al Jolson. <laughs> Gee, I'm a lucky girl meeting Santa Claus and seeing all his reindeer. You know, Margaret, I didn't always use reindeer. On my first Christmas trip, I thought to deliver a message. I thought I'd deliver presents on horseback. Some of my helpers tried to teach me to ride it. He said, uh, when the horse goes down, you go up. And when the horse goes up, you go down. So I tried it. I got on the horse. When the horse went down, I went up. And when I came down... The horse was gone. <laughs> Wait a minute. Was it that funny? Oh, no. Your beard's tickling me. Oh, I see. But tell me, Santa, may I go with you to deliver the presents? You sure can, little girl. Just help me get the harness over these reindeer's horns. We gotta hurry, though. These reindeers can only wake eight hours a day. They're organized now. The reindeer are organized. That's right. Petrillo makes anything with a horn join the union. <laughs> but I've got to get dressed for my trip. Here, Margaret, take this Peggy Lee doll. It'll sing for you while I'm putting my coat on. Oh, a real Peggy Lee doll. Isn't she beautiful? I'll wind it up and see if she can really talk. Thank you, Margaret. This song is just for you and Santa. Thanks, Dolly. Sing it for Margaret and old Saint Nick. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by a choir And folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe This season bright Tiny tots With their eyes all aglow Will find it hard To say goodnight They know that Santa's On his way He's ordered lots of toys and goodies in his sleigh And 
every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly and so I'm offering a simple phrase for kids from one to 92 Although it's been said many times many ways Merry Christmas to Here's a 60-second story from the Rexall Laboratory. Did you know that even the very best drinking water is not considered good enough to use in the medicines compounded at Rexall Laboratory? All drinking water, you see, contains some chemicals. That's why you can taste it. But in the Rexall Laboratory, drinking water is first purified chemically and then distilled in a giant tank with a capacity of thousands of gallons daily. This distilled water is absolutely pure. It has no color and no taste. The purity of this water, which is used in Rexall medicines, is one more reason why you can always depend on any product that bears the name Rexall. So for any and for all of your household drug needs, always buy Rexall at Rexall drugstores everywhere. If you want to be sure that the product is pure when you ask for a drug preparation, buy the Rexall line at the Rexall sign of Rexall identification. Good health to all from Rexall. Well, Margaret, now that you're up here at the North Pole, are you ready to start your ride with old St. Nick? I was much younger when I started that line. <laughs> well, Santa, are all the presents packed on, this, on your sleigh? Well, let's see, little girl. I'll check my list. I've taken care of Winston Churchill, Ernest Bevins, President Truman. Wait a minute, I forgot to get something for my hat and a candy. Help me out, Margaret. What do you think I should give Manhattan a candy? An electric blanket. Those sheets get awfully cold in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> well, I ain't got any more time to dilly-dally. Come on. Climb up on the sleigh and we'll start our trip. On Dunder. On Blitzen. On Dancer. On Eisenhower. How did Eisenhower get in there? He wants to get in training. He may be running next year. <laughs> Let's go! Make way for old St. Nick. Look down there, Margaret. We're in Beverly Hills, right over Betty Grable's house. Well, aren't you going down to fill Betty Grable's stocking? Why, bother? She fills them much better than I could. <laughs> but hold tight, sweetheart. We're going down and visit a little girl who lives in the house here. Let's go. Come on, I'll knock on the door. But why are you knocking on the door? 
I always thought that Santa Claus came down the chimney to leave his bundle. Oh, no, the stork can't make it with his beak. Why should I try it with mine? <laughs> Hello, little girl. I'm old St. Nick. What's your name? <laughs> I'm little Candy, but I'm mad at you, Santa Claus. But little Candy, why are you mad at Santa Claus? Because of last year. I wanted a pony and he brought me a baby brother. <laughs> They blame everything on old St. Nick. How old can a St. Nick get? <laughs> I've got a lot of gifts for you, little candy. But tell me one thing. How do you feel about spending Christmas in sunny California? Well, I can tell you about it in a little poem. Christmas in California just isn't right, you know. When I dream of a white Christmas... I'm feeling mighty snow. <laughs> What a voice sounds like sounds like a tonsils were caught in a mixmaster. Oh, Santa Claus, I wish you'd do me a big favor. My little boyfriend, Stanley, lives in that house right next door, and he doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Would you come over with me and prove to him that he's wrong? He doesn't believe there's a Santa Claus? No, and he's awful stubborn. I'll knock on the door. So, Margaret, I'm not gay enough for you. You have to go out with a show-off in a red suit. <laughs> Please, Stanley, you don't understand. He's old Saint Nick. <laughs> Everybody wants to get into the action. <laughs> Why, look at you. Your whiskers don't even hide your nose. Sonny, the beard wasn't built that could hide this nose. <laughs> Well, Margaret, you've made your choice. We're through. I'm going out in the backyard and eat worms. Do you hear me? I'm going to eat worms. Poor kid. He must have heard about the price of Christmas turkeys. <laughs> Goodbye, Margaret. You've given me up for this pony. There is no Santa Claus. Stanley, don't you dare say that again. All of us boys and girls here in America must believe in Santa Claus. All of us have enough food to eat and warm clothes to wear and many other things that children in other countries haven't got. When you live in America, Stanley, you've just got to believe there's a Santa Claus. There is a Santa Claus. There is a Santa Claus. There is a Santa Claus. Margaret, Margaret, wake up. You've been dreaming. Wake up. Yes, Santa. Oh, you're not Santa Claus. You're Jimmy Durante. That's right, Margaret. I'm not Santa, but I'm somebody very close to him. I didn't know anyone was close to him. Yes, Margaret. I am. Listen. I'm Jimmy Durant Claus. He's the partner of Santa Claus. His toy bag isn't on his back as he goes through the snows. He's got a better face in front. He hooks it on his nose. Meet Jimmy Durant Claus. He's the partner of Santa Claus. Don't I seem familiar? Now think back through your brain, dear. I'm not sure, but somehow you look like his leading reindeer. The partner of Santa Claus is Jimmy the Santa Claus. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride Durante Claus a sleigh. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Who can afford a car today so I ride an open sleigh? He's Jimmy Durant of Claus. He's the partner of Santa Claus. 
Tonight is Christmas Eve, we know so up and down the hall. No creature stirring, and before old Santa comes to call. We'd like to wish a Merry Christmas to you one and all. From Howard Petrie. Candy Candido. Boy Fargy. Peggy Lee. Our Patricia. Margaret O'Brien. Tom Harmon. And Jimmy Durand In person, Jimmy Durand Jimmy, we've got to say Merry Christmas at least 10,000 times more. That's a lot of Merry Christmases. But that's how many Rexall druggists there are, Jimmy. You know, folks, many of you have already been wished a Merry Christmas by your Rexall druggist. We'd like to say it again. So, on behalf of Rexall druggists everywhere, Merry Christmas to all from Rexall. Touche, Professor Peatman. I'd like to add a Merry Christmas from your Rexall store, your Rexall store, and 10,000 more. Old Umbriago sends us greetings, too, from Rexall. That's all. How do you do? We're far away when we're far. Let me hear that high note, Maestro. What a note. A delightful note, Mr. Durante. A delirious note, Mr. Petrie. Now, excuse me for a minute. There are a lot of pretty girls around here, and I'm going to go over there in that corner and stand over the missile lip. Missile lip? Oh, Jimmy, you mean mistletoe. You kiss what you want, I'll kiss what I want. <laughs> but thank you, Margaret O'Brien, for coming over this evening. And don't forget to listen in next week. When my old pal, Gary Moore, will pay me a New Year's Eve visit. Merry Christmas, everybody, and Merry Christmas to you, Mrs. Calabash. And now, Tommy Harmon, what goes on with the Gridland gossip this week? Well, Jimmy, our football time is almost finished. We have one or two big bowl games that will interest some of our Rexall sport fans, however, and we may as well dwell on one of them right now. Dallas, Texas is the site of the great Cotton Bowl battle between Southern Methodist University and Penn State. This game will be the 12th of a great series, and this year marks the first year that both of the teams playing go into the game undefeated. From our Rexall corner, the game lines up as a great defensive team against a great offensive team. Penn State rooters believe that they can win if they can score twice. Their defense is that good. On the other hand, SMU's great team has scored at least twice in 9 out of 10 games. Doak Walker, SMU's great triple threat back, will carry the offensive weight against Penn State. It'll be interesting to see if Walker and company can break the great Penn State line with All-American guard Steve Suey. Our guess is that he can, so we'll call SMU to win after a terrific battle in the 12th annual Cotton Bowl game at Dallas, Texas. I wish I were going to be in Dallas on January 1st, but my eyes and heart will be at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. Well, Rex all for tonight, folks, from Peggy Lee, Arthur Treacher, Candy Candido, Roy Bargy and his orchestra, yours truly, Howard Petrie. And Jimmy Durani, who says, Merry Christmas, everybody. Good night, Mrs. Calabash, and Merry Christmas. This program is produced and directed by Phil Cohan. Margaret O'Brien appears with the courtesy of Metro-Golden-Mayer, producers of Cass Timberland, starring Spency Tracer and Lana Turner. Good health to all from Rex all. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
This is the Kraft Music Hall, starring Al Jolson with Oscar Levant, Lou Bring and his orchestra and chorus, and our guest, Boris Karloff. So keep on looking for a bluebird and listening for its song. Whenever April a shower come Merry Christmas, folks. This is Al Jolson in the old Kraft Music Hall. And I got a song with a question that's never been answered. All you folks listening in, tell me, won't you? Is it true what they say about Dixie? Does the sun really shine all the time? Do the sweet magnolia blossom at everybody's door? Do the folks keep eating possum till they can't eat no more? Is it true what they say about the swanee? Is a dream by that stream so sublime? Do they laugh? Do they love? Like they say in every song, if it's true, that's where I belong. Do the sweet magnolia blossom at everybody's door? Do the folks keep eating possum till they can't eat no more? Is it true what they say? About the Swanee is a dream by that stream so sublime. Do they laugh? Do they love? Like they say in every song, if it's true, that's where I don't mind, do you, Al? <laughs> Certainly not. What are you doing, Oscar? Practicing for another concert? No, I'm exercising my fingers. I'm in a big tiddlywinks match tonight. <laughs> Why, Oscar, I didn't know you could tiddlywink. Just underhand. <laughs> One of my daughters got the set for Christmas. Oh, that reminds me. Oscar, will you leave the Steinway for a moment and come over to Jolie? Yes, I would like to ask you something a little confidential. When I was opening my presents this morning, I did not see anything from you. Al, I wanted to get you something that was different. Yeah? Something that you didn't have. But it was impossible. Every place I went to buy something, you owned the shop. <laughs> well, you didn't have to buy me anything, Oscar. You could have sent me a little check. I thought of that. But you owned the bank, too. <laughs> well, I was only kidding. I, I didn't want anything for Christmas. After all, the only thing I want is youth. And money can't buy youth. Money can buy this youth. 
Now, wait a minute, Oscar. You didn't say anything about the gift that I sent you. You got it, didn't you? Yes, I did, Al. And I want to thank you for those 20 shares of stock. Just think of it, Oscar. 50 years ago, that stock was worth absolutely nothing. How is it today? Well, it hasn't gone down any. <laughs> you know, Oscar, I, I want to get you something nice, so I looked at one of those big concert grand pianos. Al, you shouldn't have done it. I didn't. <laughs> But the piano was really beautiful, but I, I didn't get it for one reason. What was that? I didn't think it would fit in your stocking. It should. I take a size 10 piano. <laughs> <laughs> well, try on that piano over there for size and give all of us a wonderful Christmas present by playing the second movement of the Gree Concerto. All right. Here's the present. And if you don't like it, exchange it.
Oscar, that, 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 that was really beautiful. Your piano playing is a wonderful gift. Gift nothing. It cost my parents six bits a lesson. <laughs> well, in those days, everything was high. Now, look, Oscar, at this moment, I, I, I'd like to sing something. That was inevitable. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'd still like to sing something. It means that nothing can stop you from singing. How about this? Good, that's good, I like that. I can give you anything but love, baby. That's the only thing I've plenty of, my little baby. Dream a while, scheme a while, we're sure to find happiness. And I guess all the little things you've always pined for. Gee, I'd like to see you looking swell, baby. Diamond bracelets, Woolworth doesn't sell, my little baby. Till that lucky day, you know darn well. I can give you anything but love. Oscar, Oscar, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's that? Tiddly, 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 tiddly. What is that? Nothing. I just felt like tittle, tittle, tiddling. <laughs> If you don't want me to tittle-tittle like a da-dee-da. Funny thing. You used to use much bigger words on information, please. <laughs> da-dee-da is Rachmaninoff's prelude. Da-dee-da. Oh, I like that loud high-class stuff. I really do. You know, you've surprised me several times by singing arias from operas. Oscar, that shouldn't surprise you. I've sung in operas. I'll never forget the opening night at the Met when the curtain went up <laughs> and there I was on the stage... Singing the prologue from Pagliacci. That must have been wonderful. No, the curtain came right down. We were doing Carmen that night. I remember that. <laughs> if you know Carmen, Al, you must know this. Go ahead. Do I know that? That's the bullfighter song. Give it to me again. Tariadora, Tariadora, was to Oscar, And right after that, right after that, the Torridor finishes singing, he goes out, and he kills the bull. The way you sing it, the bull will die before you get to him. <laughs> Oscar, when you talk like that, you really make me feel awful sad. If you feel sad, then yeah. there's something that'll fit your mood. Oh, that fits it, Oscar. That really fits it. Come to me, my melancholy baby. Cuddle up and don't be blue. All your fears are foolish fancy. 
maybe You know, darling, I'm in love with you And every cloud must have a silver lining Wait until the sun shines through Smile, my honey dear Give it to me, Oscar While I kiss away each tear Or else I shall be melancholy No one can sing the old songs like you do. Oh, thank you, Oscar. Thank you. Of course, no one sings them as often as you do. <laughs> Al, you asked me to play Greg, and I did. Now I'd like you to do something for me. Anything you ask, I'll be happy to do. I'm safe, because the banks are closed today. <laughs> Al, all I want you to sing is a new song. I've heard everybody sing it but you. I know just the song you mean. Play it, Lou. There's just one place for me Near you It's like heaven to be Near you Times when we're apart I can't face my heart Say you'll never stray More than just two lips away If my hours could be spent Near you I'd be more than content Near you Make my life worthwhile By telling me that I'll Spend the rest of my day near you. Near you. you, and I think today is the appropriate time. What is it, Ken? Do you believe in Santa Claus? Well, Ken, every year I hang my stocking in the fireplace. And what happens? It burns. <laughs> of course, when I was a kid, I used to ride Santa Claus and ask him for, oh, so many things. Mm. <laughs> How times have changed. Now Santa Claus writes to me. <laughs> well, you, uh, you, <laughs> you do believe in him. Well, Ken, let me tell you a little story. Fine. Last night, I was at home waiting for Oscar to come over and spend Christmas Eve with me, you know? Yeah. Well, I was sitting in front of the fireplace, uh, you know, thinking back over my life. Uh, that took you more than one evening, didn't it? <laughs> no, I skipped the part that Larry Parks played. <laughs> anyway, while I was sitting there, I heard a sudden noise in the fireplace. And a weird-looking Santa Claus stepped in the room. He didn't look as much like Santa Claus as he did like Boris Karloff. 
Hello, little man. <laughs> Who are you? I'm jolly old Saint Nick. Fee, fi, fo, fa, I mean ho, ho, ho. If he keeps laughing like that, he'll split his sides. Have you been a good boy, Asa? Yes, I... I was a good boy. And I was a good middle-aged man, too. But lately, I've been slipping a little. <laughs> Nevertheless, you're still on Santa's list. I'm a little late this Christmas Eve. I was delayed. One of my reindeers slipped and fell. What did you do? I ate him. <laughs> I, I can't believe you're Santa Claus. I didn't hear any jingle bells. My bells don't jingle. They just toll. <laughs> it's getting a little chilly in here. Would you mind throwing a log on the fire and hanging on to it? Now, don't be afraid. I am Santa Claus. No, you're not. You're Boris Karloff. Oh, shucks. Everybody recognizes me. Must be by long eyelashes. But, Boris, why are you in a Santa Claus suit? I want to be loved. Well, you're in the wrong place. You better go over to the bride and groom program. You don't know what a terrible life I lead. Playing all those sinister characters has made me a marked man. When little children see me, they run and scream. That's why I put on this suit and pretend I'm Santa Claus. And what do the kids do now? Run and scream? <laughs> I'll do just the opposite. I'll scream and run. <laughs> Why? I'm nice and gentle. Why must I be the victim of the parts I play in pictures? Can I help it? My business is killing. Yours is singing. I see no difference. <laughs> I'd insult this guy, but he might give me a stiletto for Christmas and deliver it in the back. <clears throat> Boris, look, if you're going around pretending you're Santa Claus, you can't act the way you do. Santa Claus is a sweet old gentleman. He's good, and he's kind. I'm trying to be a real Santa Claus. I give away presents. In fact, right now I'm due at Peter Lorry's house. He asked for a train. A grown man like Peter Lorry wants a little bitty train? No, he asked for the super chief. He wants to tie someone to the tracks. <laughs> Say, look, if you got Peter Lorry's letter, did you happen to get the one I wrote, Santa Claus? Oh, yes, I received your letter. You did? And, and did you bring what I asked for? Sure, here it is. An autographed picture of Al Jolson. <laughs> tell me, why did you ask for a picture of yourself? I like to look at me. Uh, you're lucky. I even have to shave in the dark. Well, I must leave. I've got a few more stops to give away some of your record albums. Oh, do you give a lot of people my record albums? No, only to little boys who've been naughty. <laughs> oh, how it frightens them so. Well, look, if you'll excuse me, Santa Claus, I gotta go to bed now. I gotta get my sleep, you see? I'm on the Kraft Music Hall. Are you sure you'll be able to appear? Oh, of course. There's nothing to stop me. <laughs> Maybe there is. 
One must never be too sure of anything. I believe that was a knock at the door. I thought it was my knees. <laughs> oh, hello, Oscar. Gee, I'm glad to see you come in. Santa Claus, this is Oscar Levant. How do you do? Oscar, why don't you say hello to Santa Claus? Sorry, I don't believe in him. <laughs> well, to tell the truth in this case, I don't blame you. I was sitting here smoking and suddenly he appeared. You better change your brand of cigarettes. <laughs> Oscar, look, you don't understand. I was just sitting here in front of the fireplace when suddenly I was face to face with Boris Karloff. Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. <laughs> Gentlemen, gentlemen, please I do so want to be friendly Would you like a Tom and Jerry? I, I made them myself What are they made of? A couple of fellas named Tom and Jerry <laughs> Now, Mr. Levant I'd like you to believe in me So here's a little present A bottle of fine champagne But it's got a skull and crossbones on the label Probably a picture of the manufacturer <laughs> Please, Boris, if you're going to play Santa Claus Why don't you visit some of the fellows who will be expecting you Like Sidney Greenstreet or Bella Lugosi, huh? I visit both the good and evil And you're certainly good and evil <laughs> I'm beginning to like this guy He's my type Thank you, Mr. Levant Your appreciation of the macabre and your intelligence acceptance of the supernatural from the realm of mesmerism and hyperphysical occurrences is gratifying. I think we understand each other. That's good, because I don't understand either one of you. <laughs> Boris, I think you and I will get along okay. Have a cigarette. I prefer what I'm smoking. What are you smoking? F.E. Boone. <laughs> Well, that is what I like, a real Merry Christmas. Now, Mr. Levant, I've got something for you. I've heard you play the piano hundreds of times, so here is a violin. <laughs> Merry Christmas, gentlemen, and goodbye. And Ken, believe it or not, that's exactly what happened on Christmas Eve. Oh, but Al, that story is a little unbelievable. You must have been dreaming. If you don't believe me, ask Oscar. Oscar, did all that stuff really happen to you and Al? No, it didn't, Ken. It's a ridiculous story. Well, I gotta go now. Where are you going, Oscar? I have to practice my violin. <laughs> Say, Ken, I, I noticed that so far, there's uh, no commercials tonight. Well, I have one now, Al, and uh, it's simply this. Friends, the folks with the Kraft Foods Company, hope you've had a merry Christmas. A Christmas so satisfying in the joy of making others happy that you'll want to keep it alive day after day, in your homes and in your hearts. I like that, Ken. It's a beautiful wish. And I'd like to convey the same thought with an old song. This is a day of sentiment and nostalgia and memories of old friendships. If you're not at home, I hope you're with friends, because this is a song that people like to sing when they get together. It's not a song you usually associate with Christmas, but then any music that is full of joy and happiness makes a song worth singing on this day. So gather around the piano and join with me in that old favorite, By the Light of the Silvery Moon.
place Park, scene, dark Silvery moon is shining through the trees Cast to me, you Sounds of kisses floating on the breeze Act one Begun Dialogue Where would you like to spoon My cue With you Underneath The silvery the light of the silvery moon I love the spoon to my honey I'll croon love's tune honeymoon keep a shining in June your silvery We'll bring love dreams We'll be cuddling soon By the silvery moon By the light Of the silvery moon I want a spoon To my honey I'll croon Keep a shining in June Your silvery beams Will bring love dreams We'll be cuddling soon By the silvery everybody. Thank you, thank you. Boris Karloff is currently being seen in the Paramount picture, Unconquered. Al Jolson, Oscar LeBlant, Lou Bring, and his orchestra and chorus, and all of the Kraft Music Hall gang invite you to tune in to the Kraft Music Hall again next Thursday. That's New Year's Day. When Al's guest will be the beautiful and charming international motion picture favorite, Madeline Carroll. This is Ken Carpenter saying good night. Stay tuned into this station to hear Jack Carson with Eve Arden, who follow immediately. Also, tune in the Great Gildersleeve next Wednesday on this network. Remember, next Thursday's guest... On Craft Music Hall will be Madeline Carroll.
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.